Hey everyone, welcome to The Geek Awakens, where the talk is geekier than trying to plug your podcast to a Vegas showgirl. Uh, <laughs> I'm Mitch, and joining me tonight is Matt, oh, oh. Tabitha. Please tell me you actually did that. And Lydia. <laughs> I just want to know how that went for you. Okay, so here's what had happened. <laughs> <laughs> what had happened was... So we're in Vegas, and we're walking by, and um, you know, like... There's, they'll have like the, the showgirls that are walking the street, you know, like, oh, come take our picture, blah, blah, blah. And then give us money. Really more like money. <laughs> so, um, so not Seth was with us and he had a Doctor Who shirt on. So we're passing by the two of the showgirls and one of the showgirls notices it, recognizes it, and then starts talking to him about Doctor Who. She's even like, and she's just like, who's your doctor? And, like, kind of throws him off guard at first, you know, because, like, you don't expect a Vegas showgirl to know anything about Doctor Who. She even had, and, you know, and she showed us, she even had, like, a Doctor Who quote underneath her boob. Okay. Okay. Welcome to Vegas, everybody. (laughs) So, uh, like what you hear? Then be sure to subscribe to us pretty much wherever you get your podcasts, including Stitcher, Spotify, or Podcast Addict. Really liked what you hear? Then throw us some cheddar on Patreon at patreon.com slash thegeekawakens podcast. That's not any better than Scratch. I feel like that's a cheese it joke already. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> any questions, comments, or concerns, then shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. Um, full disclosure, while we're recording, um, there is a... Uh, Cubs Cardinals game that we have on. We don't have the sound on, but if at any point, because Tabitha and Matt are both Cubs fans, I am a Cardinals fan. We get so distracted and don't answer. If at any point you hear us be distracted or accidentally curse, then you know something happened. So, um, also, you are not allowed to ring the shame bell if I do happen to get excited at something that happens during this game. You are also not allowed to shame, like, if anybody hits, like, a Grand Slam or anything like that. Like, if, if Paul DeYoung hits a Grand Slam, you are not allowed to shame Paul DeYoung. Oh, that fine. seems excessive. The, the not shaming is excessive. I'll do my best, <clears throat> but I make absolutely zero promises. Meanwhile, Lydia's going to be sitting here confused as all get out, because I don't baseball. <laughs> Neither do probably. Some of our listeners yeah. probably don't yeah. also. Anyway, um, we have a packed show tonight. Uh, First, I want to start off, because, like, GameStop's doing some stuff. They're trying to. Um, It's kind of a long, drawn-out process. Uh, Basically, what it amounts to is that they, on their most recent earnings call, released really a lot of information about what's coming and going to happen to GameStop in the coming. They are... They've already said right now that they're going to be closing anywhere between 180 and 200 of their most, quote-unquote, underperforming stores. That's not just the United States. as globally, which they have 5,700 stores globally, apparently. Jeez. I didn't realize they had that many locations. Wait, how many? 5,700, I think is what I, I saw. I mean, they got like 13 in Springfield. Yeah, I was going to say, that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. They have yeah. a lot of stores. <laughs> yeah, they have multiple in Springfield. So, yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me yeah. that much. So, they've got that going. Um, they are of those, like the 200 that are going to shut down will happen by the end of the fiscal year, which for them is February of 2020. Um, that starts kind of their reboot. 
they are going to try and do everything they can to revamp the business model and the business to become profitable again. Their aim is, as their uh, their CEO said, quote, to improve the financial performance of the business and implement a series of initiatives that will support the long-term success of the business and value creation for stakeholders. Um, They've got four ideas, basically, that they are going to implement to help try and turn the business around. They're going to optimize the core, which is restructuring, inventory management, high margin product categories, and rationalize global global store base. Um, They are going to become social and cultural hub for gaming, which I'll get into a little bit of that um, as we get into the remodels that they're going to be doing for their stores. Um, but that includes testing and improving their core assets, including store experiences, knowledgeable associates, and the Power Up Rewards program. And then they are going to build a digital platform. They've already relaunched GameStop.com, but it's also going to be building what they're calling compelling digital capabilities. They haven't expanded on that, but that's what they've said at this point. And then their last, like, fourth, fourth step is transform vendor partnership. Uh, they're doing that with a goal of unlocking high margin revenue streams and optimize the lifetime value of every customer. Hmm. Um, they know that the transition is going to take time, but they have felt that the best option is to start acting immediately better than waiting, uh, even though they know that part of the downturn right now is that because there are people kind of already waiting for the next gen systems, which are going to hit sometime next year at this point. Uh, but they, this is all based on the fact that they, their net loss for the last quarter was $415.3 million, which compares to a net loss of $24.9 million the previous year. That's a big jump. So what is that like? 400% or something like that down. I don't math. So don't, don't, <laughs> I don't know. It's a lot. It's a big jump. Um, but as part of all of this, they are redesigning their stores. There is a video online, uh, which initially was kind of leaked. Uh, and now it's been, uh, you know, said that, yes, that it is official. Uh, it's a test store in Oklahoma. Now, not all the stores are going to look the same. The focus of each store is going to change based on the demographics in the area. So the one that they show in the video uh, has a pretty big focus on tabletop gaming and retro games. Uh, but they will have some that are geared towards esports, some that have a more traditional design based on just uh, product placement and sales. They're getting rid of the glossy black and white look. They're going with a more a grays and faux wood paneling. Uh, if you look at the video, they're actually it's a fairly slick remodel. It looks nice. Um, it doesn't look as fake and plasticky as they look now. But it's also going to include streamlined displays for games, apparel, figurines. There is also going to be, the one thing that will be the same throughout all the stores is a wall-mounted tablet for customers to browse and order directly from the store. So if you find something, maybe they don't have it in that particular location, you can go to the tablet and order it right there, not you know go home and forget that you were going to do it, I think is the idea behind it. And then each one is also going to have a sofa and an HDTV, so kind of a lounge area. I'm not sure why I need that. Um, 
But then, like I said, the one that's in the video uh, is based on retro games. So that store has a larger back section with old school CRT TVs and tables, which they are used for retro gaming and tabletop games. So they're kind of that kind of goes back to their uh, social cultural hub. Um, they almost want to become like an event center. Like they want people to come and host tournaments, whether it's tabletops or card collectible card games, to use that space um, to get people into the store. I think they're hoping that if they do that and people are there, then they'll purchase other things while they're at the location. Nobody's going to go hang out in GameStop. I mean, Besides the people that already hang out at GameStop. You say that, but I mean... Especially, I, go, no, go ahead. Say especially going into like the tabletop stuff, they might draw the crowds of people that go to all these other places that are specifically for tabletop gaming and get them into more of the video game stuff too. Yeah. I mean, so, I think that's what they're trying to do, but those tabletop game people are devoted to the places that they go for these tabletop games. They're not going to wake up on Monday and be like, hey, let's host our weekly D&D party at GameStop where 15 million three-year-olds are running around knocking shit off the shelves because that's what GameStop is. Yeah, <laughs> true. But and I, I, I completely see your point. And you are absolutely right. I mean, these, yeah, the people, they, they, they basically, are, they already have their place, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but and- at the same time, you also have people that are wanting to get into tabletop gaming that don't feel comfortable going into those places because they know they have such a dedicated following. Fair. So that might give them one extra place to try and go. Yeah. yeah. I feel mm-hmm. like GameStop has a lot to do in order to get back to where they need slash want to be. I feel like if this is successful, I mean, the, then this could be kind of more like, it, it reminds me of maybe like a Barnes and Noble of gaming, you know, mm-hmm. someplace where some pe- where people go not only just to buy games, but mm-hmm. also to, you know, talk about games or, you know, whatever, um, you know, and maybe have interesting experiences at GameStop like some people do at Barnes and Noble. Oh my god. <laughs> I've had a week, y'all. <laughs> it is cool that they're doing all these kind of remodels and stuff because they need to do something because of the drop in sales and all that because I feel like they're probably losing a lot, especially in game sales due to things like Steam and mm-hmm. people yeah. just downloading games on the system itself. And what the heck is that? <laughs> My I mean, Barnes and Noble experience. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I really have to give them credit, whether this works or not, that they're jumping on this right away. Yes. Um, you know, they've saw, they've, they've seen the downturn. They knew that this was coming, uh, but they, you know, realized how bad it was and are making an effort to try and turn things around to save, you know, their business model. Mm-hmm. So I'll give them credit in that regard. We'll see if it works. Only time will tell. Now, for the you know the two people who do play games in the room, do you think this is enough for GameStop? I, I don't know because in for me personally, if I, I don't know, I I go into a I go into a GameStop essentially with a purpose. Like I don't go and I browse and I'm like, oh, I forgot this was out. I'm gonna go get this. If I go into a GameStop, I know what I'm looking for. And I know kind of what new or used I want to pay for said game. And if I go in and I find it used and it's too expensive, I'm like, well, I'm not going to play it right now. So I'll wait until the price drops. So for me, I wish I could say it's going to make a difference. It's really not. I'm going to continue to use GameStop the same way I've used it for the last, you know, 10 years. See, and I'm kind of the opposite because anymore, I am one of those people that uses things like Steam and all that. So I don't... 
go to GameStop specifically to get certain stuff anymore. I basically go to browse and look around and find mm. things that I wouldn't necessarily have known that I was after. So yeah, I think that the changes will be interesting. I should draw some new people, if nothing else. Yeah. So mm. six to one, half a dozen of the other, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the other day, um, I got uh, some information about a new um, Kickstarter that's uh, that's going on right now. So I looked uh, I looked earlier. As of right now, it's at just over fifty six hundred dollars of the ten thousand dollar goal. So it still has fifteen days to go. It's for volume one of a uh, series called Coronary. It's written by Ryan Burke, and the volume one is going to collect issues one through four. Issues one through three have been released already. So this Kickstarter, it's not just for the whole volume. It's also they will release single uh, single issue number four as well. So what I saw, like when I was looking at the Kickstarter, one of the things too, which I think it's really it's a it's a cool idea, but at the same time, it's like if I were the one writing this, I'd be totally worried that this is going to mess my life up. So if you get um, you know, it, it has different tiers. If you do editor, editor-in-chief or higher, you get to choose um, a character to survive issue number four. Oh. Hmm. Oh, that's cool. And yeah, that's really cool. Okay. But at the same time, it's like, if I started this planning to, you know, like, kill off this character at some point in time, and then somebody swoops in and saves the day, it's like... Well. Well. <laughs> so much for that idea. Exactly. <laughs> So um, we got to uh, read some of the uh, the first issues, and basically, what Coronary is about. It's based in London, and it's um, basically in this world, everybody is addicted to um, plastic surgery, and like they're they're addicted to how they look personally, you know. Um, and so it centers around this guy named Justin Sharp. He's the owner of Butte X. Uh, he's kind of helped create this world where everybody is addicted to you know, how they look and, you know, whatever. Um, so because of this, I say addicted, I mean obsessed, but whatever. <laughs> you know, <laughs> same thing. Yeah. Um, so because of this, like, people are gunning after him. Both, like, the police are after him, um, you know, mobsters are after him, things like that. And so he meets this woman named Luna, and together they try to survive. I, I got to read the first three issues. Admittedly, I read the first two issues on the plane ride home. Okay. And if you all don't know anything about me, you need to know I don't like flying. <laughs> <laughs> so when I opened issue three today, like I, I was kind of lost, admittedly. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's because I, when I was flying, I was not focused on issues one and two. But that said, like it's, it's a really interesting story. I think it's a concept that we need to talk about. Uh, because it is something that, you know, while it's not to this level, it is an issue mm -hmm. with people, you know. So, yeah, so I really, I want to go back and reread the first three <laughs> issues. When you're and not then, terrified out of your mind on a plane? Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I know, um, Matt, you said you got to read the first couple of issues. I got to read all three. Oh, you, the three, okay. I got to read the three that we, we got. The first thing that struck me, uh, open up the first page and art style. I, I really like the art style. Mm -hmm. um, it just, right off the bat, it caught me. Uh, it seemed to go, for me, went very well with the story. I got the general idea of all of what was going on, 
But to be completely honest, I got kind of lost with a lot of the jumping around. Um, there were a lot of different characters, a lot of different settings. And as, as much as I got the general, like I said, the general idea of where we were going with this, I was a little lost on the roles that all of the characters played you know, in the story. But uh, I don't know. I, lo- I love the art style. It definitely pulled me in. Tabitha, what about you? I really, I only got to read the first um, two of this, and I kind of want to complete it, but I agree with Matt. Like, there were, there were times when the time jumps would confuse me, and I loved the art style, but at the same time, it was at times so vague that I think that was hurting me in how I was able to pay attention to the story, because it would jump, like, a time or, like, a place or a location, but the art was so just, like, basic that I didn't know I was jumping and then I'd have to like go back and look I agree with you though like I think it's it's a topic that needs to be discussed and I like that they took this format to do it I just don't know if this was something for me because I know a lot of people do like those time jumps and you know moving around in a world I am very linear when I read something and if you're gonna give me a time jump I'm gonna need you to give me a warning (laughs) (laughs) like hey lady we're moving to a different building okay here I come like I need a map. <laughs> just out of nowhere, you just start hearing. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, okay, cool. We're going back in time. Awesome. I mean, that would be super helpful. I'd appreciate that. <laughs> so, uh, but that said, uh, it is still on Kickstarter. Still has about a half a month left to go. Uh, I will post a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes, etc. Um, but yeah, but definitely, definitely check it out. Like I said, it's. It's something that I think we need to talk about more just as a society. Mm. Um, Moving on from Lion Forge, we got to read uh, May Volume 2, which um, it's out now in comic shops, but it'll be in bookstores October 1st. May, it it follows this girl named May, whose uh, sister was disappeared when she was a child. Comes back and turns out she was in like a different world, became queen, etc. And they have to, they end up going back into that world to try to find their father. So this continues that story. Uh, there are a lot of things that I love about this series. <laughs> um, I love, you know, the, the, the strong female characters. Uh, this book is just between like straight up references and then also Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Like this book is unapologetically geeky. Um, <laughs> it really is. Um, and then in volume one, we got to see how much of a badass that May's sister Annie is. In volume two, we get to see how May, you know, reacts to this world and becomes a badass in her own right. Um, But also, I I enjoyed seeing, like, the reaction to the people back home who are missing May, you Mm -hmm. know. Um, But also, because we got to interview him at C2E2 last year, I do want to take any chance I can just to mention how awesome a person Gene Ha is. Uh, and this this book, I think, really shows it. Um, Tabitha, I know you read most of it. I read most of volume one. I loved all the geeky references. Like, I had started chuckling a couple of times. I think most of my problem was that weird Barnes Noble experience we were talking about. <laughs> I, was trying to, I was trying to read this there while 3,000 things were happening around me that were all just very awkward and strange. And I kept getting distracted. So I don't think it was 
the book, I think it was me. I kept losing my train of thought. But tonight, when I picked it back up, trying to finish volume one before we came over here to start recording, I kind of started getting into it. And then it was like, oh, crap, we have to leave now. So I'm going to go home and I'm going to finish it. And I'm going to continue on with volume two because I need to know what happens now. Yeah. Um, and I know, Matt, you're still on volume one. I am still on volume one. But yeah, I, I'm i kind of along the same lines as Tabitha. Like, it like it seemed to... There was one one spot where I did get a time jump, and I wasn't exactly sure. Um, but the the geek references, um, the art, uh, I, the characters, this is like pretty much everything I love in a story. Uh, so I cannot wait to get back into this to see where this goes. Out now from Oni Press is the Tea Dragon Festival. Uh, it's written. It, uh, Words and art are by uh, Katie O'Neill, and it's a companion story to the Tea Dragon Society. Uh, I did not get a chance to read this. Um, I was busy in Las Vegas. <laughs> Talking to showgirls with Doctor Who tattoos. Exactly. <laughs> Mitch had his priorities in order. <laughs> you make it sound like that's the only thing I did in Las Vegas. but you know. I mean, that's the only thing we've heard about. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Tabitha, you said you got a chance to read it? I did. Um, I read the first um, book in the series. Um last year, I think. <clears throat> and I really enjoyed it. So I was looking forward to this. And I also really enjoyed this second part. Uh, Katie O'Neill is just, she's fun. She's clever. She's quirky. The art is absolutely adorable. Like, I just, I want my own tea dragon. Like, I don't want a real dragon because it seems a little scary because it can morph into a human and that's kind of weird for me. But... <laughs> I want a little. I want a little tea dragon because they just look like tiny little puppies, and just makes me want to cuddle them. Um, but it's based around this world where they're essentially gatherers, and they live off the land. And a dragon has been sleeping for eighty years, and our main character comes across this dragon in the woods, awakens it, and it's the adventure that they go on, becoming friends, introducing the dragon to the time. Things like that, but they're not like a typical dragon. Like the dragon is literally like a human who just happens to be able to morph into a half dragon, half human. There's deaf representation. There's um, queer representation in this, the in both of these books. Like it's just it's really well done, and it's it's done in a way that's really like accessible for people. I love everything Katie O'Neill does. We've read something from her before on the show, and we I think we all really enjoyed that as well. So. I, I, I feel like she's going to do more in this world, <laughs> and I'm really excited to see if she actually does. Now, let me ask you this. Um, with it being a companion piece, is this something that you need to read no. the first one? Mm-mm, not at all. Like, I know you... No, I did not read yeah. the first one, and I'm about halfway through this one, and I don't feel lost at all. Yeah. There's enough of the background, not necessarily background, but there's enough information that I didn't feel like I was missing anything picking this up. Uh, I, I was concerned about that initially when I realized that this was a companion to one that I had not read. But as I got into it, that's that's definitely not an issue. And yeah, the art style is fantastic. The characters are great. Um, I This is another one that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go home and I'm definitely going to finish. Yeah, you the the first one is obviously it is a companion, but... It's a, it's a companion in the way that it's basically the backstory for this story, because this is the second one, but not in a way where you feel like you have a time jump and you're lost out in the middle of the sea swimming around trying to figure out where you are. Right. So we're going to get into gut reaction, and we're going to start with um, Matt and uh, Daybreak. So Netflix has a new series, which they always do, you know, that's Netflix, releasing October 24th. 
All episodes in season one will be available on that day. It, is, it takes place in Glendale, California, before and after a nuclear blast, which turns the world into a post-apocalyptic wasteland. Matthew Broderick is the high school principal, so basically the trailer is him doing announcements <clears throat> for the first, like, roughly half of the trailer. Uh, and it's, it, I mean, it gives you that, the first half definitely gives you the Ferris Bueller vibe, which is just fantastic, because about three quarters of the way through the trailer, you get introduced to Colin Ford, who is playing the main character, and coincidentally addresses you, the watcher, and the camera a la Ferris Bueller style, which is awesome. Um, it looks like it could be kind of dark, kind of a little Mad Maxian, but also comedic and kind of cheeky. Uh, I think this looks fun. I'm going to give this a thumbs up on the uh, the possibilities this here, this has. Yes. Yeah, um, I think I'm going to go with thumbs sideways on this one. Uh, I'm not... I'm not going to say I'm completely over the whole post-apocalyptic trope, but I'm getting there. But, uh, but yeah, but I mean, it, other than that, like, yeah, it sounds, it sounds really fun. So, uh, also dark and comedic. I'm the high. Yes, that's, that's me all day. Um, I agree with what you both said. It sounds like, sounds interesting with the dark and the humor and the Ferris Bueller references almost, mm. but yeah, the post-apocalyptic thing post-apocalyptic thing might be getting a little played out, but I really want to go watch this trailer now just to hear <laughs> Matthew Broderick be a principal, uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go thumb sideways. Definitely. You had me at Matthew Broderick, and, like, I didn't need to know anything else. Um, <laughs> no, like, this trailer looks fun. Like, it flashes in and out of, like, this typical high school community, and then you're, like, high school community in the apocalypse, and, like, all I could think about was, like, what would have happened in my high school if, like, the apocalypse would have come and we would have all been trapped there. It wouldn't have gone well for most people. But <laughs> I'm giving this a thumbs up because this looks super adorable. I'm going to add it to the list of things I'll never watch because I don't have time. I'm turning into Mitch. <laughs> and me. <laughs> and you. <laughs> Um, Tabitha, let's uh, go to Are You Afraid of the Dark? So I was so afraid this was going to suck when they announced <laughs> this. Um, but we have finally gotten a trailer for the Are You Afraid of the Dark reboot. And this looks fantastic. Like, it almost looks too scary for Nickelodeon. But um, I was kind of hoping for some of, like, the hokiness of the original mm -hmm. show. But we're not getting any of that. They've modernized it. And it straight up looks like a horror movie. <laughs> this new revival is, and I didn't know this, only three hour long episodes. Oh. But it's the Midnight Society sharing their scary stories, like the original. But it's a little different because they kind of get sucked into their stories instead of it being played out by, like, actors and then them flashing back to the Midnight Society. Two episodes will tell the tale of the Carnival of Doom, which is how it starts, and then the tale of Laughing in the Dark. Um, this is going to be premiering on October 11th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and then the next two episodes will air on the 18th and the 25th. I'm giving this a huge thumbs up. Are You Afraid of the Dark was, like, one of my favorite shows as a kid, <laughs> and... Like I said, I was a little, I, I'm a little disappointed we're not getting some of the, like, Canadian hokiness of the 90s in here, but I'm going to let that go. So, thumbs up. Matt. Um, I'm also going thumbs up because as much as, yes, I thought we were going to get some of the hokiness. And in Are You Afraid of the Dark was one of those shows that, I mean, I'll admit, like, I probably, my parents didn't really want me to watch, but I did, like, when nobody was paying attention. <laughs> Loved it. Um, so, was always, was looking forward to this from the beginning. And we, yeah, we've lost kind of the hokiness of the old series, but it looks dark. It looks creepy. And the first two episodes in particular look like you're kind of getting into 
the Something Wicked This Way Comes, uh, Ray Bradbury, which is one of my favorite books probably of all time. So huge thumbs up. Uh, yeah, definitely also going thumbs up on this. Um, yeah, I, I, Are You Afraid of the Dark was one of my favorite shows. It was one that my grandmother and I would watch like every Saturday <laughs> night. You know, like, um, never really scared me that much, but you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I will echo what you guys said. I wanted Hokey, but if I don't get it, okay, fine, whatever. Lydia. <laughs> I remember watching Are You Afraid of the Dark with my sister and like having a blanket wrapped up around my head because it terrified me because I was so little, but <laughs> always wanting to continue watching it. For whatever reason, because apparently I'm psychopath like that. But yeah, I'm excited. I like the idea of it being darker, especially now that I'm older and have a bit more appreciation for like the horror type aspect of things. So yes, I am definitely thumbs up. Uh, Matt, we got one last trailer uh, in the tall grass. So this is a Netflix show. Sorry, movie uh, based on the novella by Stephen King and Joe Hill. Uh, the no- novella is called Tall Grass. The show, from, the movie from Netflix, is called In the Tall Grass. The short part is that it's a brother and sister that follow the cries of a distressed child into a field of tall grass, and then being Joe Hill and Stephen King, just it gets creepy and weird from there. Trailer looks sufficiently creepy and weird, and people get lost in this field and cannot get out, and all sorts of bizarre and creepy things happen. I'm 100% in for this. Thumbs up. I don't know. Um, I, I'm going to give this a thumbs down. Like, I I don't have any specific reason to. I just am not a huge fan of Stephen King, just in general. Just not for wow. me. Lydia? I'm going to go thumbs sideways. I like Stephen King and all that, but... I don't know. It, it sounds kind of children of the, children of the corn mm-hmm. almost to me. So I'm just going to ride the middle ground here and go thumb sideways. Tabitha. I am also going thumb sideways because while this trailer like made me super uncomfortable because I am literally from the middle of a cornfield and getting lost in said cornfield is like mm. on my top five list of fears of my like just I can't like I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. I know how Stephen King books end mm. because I've read a enough of them yeah i've read enough of them to know what would happen in the end and i feel like this could go one of two ways it could go the joe hill way which is the way that likes to make sense or it can go the stephen king way which is aliens so (laughs) so i mean you're not wrong yeah like thumb sideways (laughs) maybe we can get a little bit of both right maybe like if like we can get the children of the corn part of like stephen king but then like can i get a joe hill ending where things kind of (laughs) like type themselves together right like makes sense and it's not just like I forgot what I was doing. Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lydia, let's talk about Princess Bread. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think Tabitha just about spit her uh, tea, coffee, whatever that stuff is, like all over the table. Um, <laughs> almost need a new uh, stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so... Um, Norman Lear, who is producer for Princess Bride, apparently signed some kind of a contract with Sony. And the Sony CEO has been very vocal about how much interest there is in all of the like properties that he has and wanting to redo them various ways and all that. And he has said that um, very famous people whose names I won't use, but they want to redo Princess Bride. Mm, no. No, thank you. We do not need a Princess Bride remake, but apparently uh, back in 2013, Disney Theatrical Productions announced that there was going to be a musical adaptation of it, 
And they just now got um, a creative team March of this year, which is composer and lyricist David Yazbek and writers Bob Martin and Rick Ellis. So hard thumbs down for any kind of a movie Princess Bride remake. Leave it alone. Listen to uh, Carrie. I always forget how to pronounce his last name. The one that... Oh, Elwes? Elwes, yeah. Yeah. Say, listen to him, like, leave perfection alone, don't touch it. If it's a musical adaptation, thumb sideways, like, okay, but you seriously took six years to get a creative team for something that you announced? Like, (laughs) what? Doesn't bode well. No, just leave leave Princess Bride alone, guys, please. Tabitha. Yeah, I agree, like, like, like. Carrie, whatever his last name is, said, I did see that tweet where he said, you can't, like, there are a few movies that are perfect, like, why mess with it? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Princess Bride is one of those movies, and no matter no matter who you put in this movie or who, who you chose to direct this movie, everyone on the internet would be mad about it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just no making anybody happy, so thumbs down. Bet. Yeah, this is a classic, uh, childhood favorite, just don't mess with this, leave it alone, thumbs down. Yeah. Um, also totally going thumbs down on this, um, completely not necessary. Even, even if it was a musical, it's not out, outside of if like they adapt it for Broadway, mm-hmm. then it's still mostly thumbs down, but like a, a little bit because <laughs> then it, at least it's a different medium. Right. If right. you just make a Princess Bride musical and release it as a movie, then no, no, absolutely not. So. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where I was going with it because they've, I've seen different musical Broadway adaptations of things and there's usually enough of a difference between them that you can kind of just think of them as two separate entities but yeah they could heathers and mean girl right and then i would be fine but if they're gonna just like redo the whole thing nope sam esmail who you might recognize from mr robot is relaunching battlestar galactica uh it is not going to be a reboot but it's going to be a new story in the battlestar galactica mythology uh it's going to be on nbc's peacock streaming service um (laughs) (laughs) i really hate that they did that (laughs) Uh, I'm giving this a thumbs sideways. Uh, I was never much into Battle, uh, Battlestar Galactica, um, but it's really interesting that they have basically copied CBS with Discovery. It's like, oh, hey, here's mm-hmm. a new sh- a new show in the same universe <laughs> on our streaming service. Like, I don't know. It might be cool. Whatever. Uh, Lydia? I'm just going to go thumbs sideways. I've never really been one for Battlestar anyway, so I'm kind of indifferent about it i love battlestar galactica but i needed people to come up with new ideas because i agree with you because as soon as i saw this i'm like okay i see you nbc like (laughs) (laughs) you're real mad you're real salty about this star trek thing i get it but let go and let god here let go and let picard like (laughs) (laughs) just just stop like i mean I love a good backstory, but it's Battlestar Galactica. We know what happens. The same thing every episode, just like Star Trek Voyager. Like, it, <laughs> like we don't need this. Thumbs down. Matt, um, <laughs> I'm going thumbs down because I've always wanted to get into Battlestar Galactica, and this would just put me further behind um, <laughs> <laughs> catching up to all of it. And yeah, it, again, like get some new ideas. Like I know that they're trying to copycat with Discovery, but again, Get your own ideas. Yeah. Tabitha, let's go to Gargoyles. 
So, right, same face. Um, <laughs> every time I think that maybe I don't need Disney Plus, Disney Plus is like, hey, guess what we're doing? And I'm like, oh, okay, now I definitely need Disney Plus. Um, I was obsessed with Gargoyles when I was a kid because of all the shows that were available on Disney that were like Chippendale, Rescue Rangers, and DuckTales, and all that stuff. This was like actually kind of dark and violent and mm. like, hello, hi, I am who I am. That's my aesthetic. <laughs> so this show originally aired from October of 94 to February of 97, and now I feel old, so that's cool. <laughs> but they're putting it on Disney+, Plus, and my life is complete. Thumbs up. Matt. Know what I'm doing November 12th. <laughs> Watching the episode of The Mandalorian and then watching Gargoyles because that's how this is going to work on Disney+. Plus. Uh, thumbs up for them having this because this, again, was one of those shows that I watched, I think, every episode of mm-hmm. uh, in my childhood. So the fact to be able to get it on a streaming service, basically whenever I want, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I'm giving this a thumbs up. Um, Gargoyles, I never, I wasn't a huge, huge fan. I remember watching multiple episodes of it, but I don't think I ever watched, you know, the whole series or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um it almost turned to a thumb sideways if you were going to talk smack about Chippendale Rescue Rangers because that was Little Mitch's J A M. This is this explains who we are as humans. Now you realize that. I'm watching Gargoyles and you're watching Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I mean, I didn't say that I'm going to watch it, but yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I also love Gargoyles. I was obsessed with it. I actually have the first two seasons on DVD. So my hope with this is that they have all three seasons, which mm-hmm. there isn't technically an official third season. It's the Goliath Chronicles mm-hmm. at that point. But I'm hoping that that's all on there so I can watch that point, part two. Yep. But oh my God, Gargoyles, I love it. Thumbs up. <laughs> uh, Matt, let's go to Game of Thrones. There's already been one prequel pilot that has been shot, and HBO is close to ordering another pilot for a second Game of Thrones prequel. This one is going to be coming from our favorite person in the entire world, George R.R. Martin, because he should be doing other things than helping make a new show, Um, and the Colony co-creator and executive producer, Ryan Condal. This one is supposed to be set 300 years before Game of Thrones and will show the end of the House Targaryen. Uh, it's rumored to be based on the Fire and Blood book by George R.R. Martin. So, you know, something he actually did already write instead of something he should be writing. George R.R. Martin, on his not a blog, uh, said earlier this year that there were five shows, Game of Thrones shows in development, and three were moving forward nicely. Apparently, this is at least the second of those three that he seems to think have a chance. I'm going to go thumb sideways because after having binged Game of Thrones, kind of intrigued about a prequel, but I'm not sure that I really need it. So, thumb sideways. Yeah. Uh, I'm also going to go thumb sideways. Um, you know, even as somebody who never watched a single episode of Game of Thrones, like, I don't know. I, if, if I were a fan, I think I'd be excited about it. Uh, but I'm just kind of like, eh. but at the same time, uh, I feel like HBO is going to milk that cash cow well beyond its suggested yeah. end. Lydia. <laughs> I just remember talking about, uh, all the stuff that he was working on a couple months ago when he was like, I'm going to help with a video game. and I'm going to do a prequel show. Like, dude, just stay on track and do what you need to do. Stay on task. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I've only watched like two episodes of Game of Thrones, so I don't have the knowledge that you guys do, but yeah, thumb, thumb sideways. Just. 
<laughs> that shame bell is for the game on TV and George R. R. Martin. <laughs> I can't pick which is worse right now. I'm not putting them on the list. No, you don't have to. <laughs> I was worried that it was for me. No, it wasn't for you. It's yet. For my baseball shame and my hatred for George R. R. Martin. I need this man's adult ADD to relax. And I need him... <laughs> To finish this damn book. That's the only thing I want in the entire world. And George R. R. Martin is like a little kid who you're like, eat your apple. And he's like, oh, look, everything else in the world. And you're like, but eat your apple. And he's like, no. <laughs> it's driving me bananas. Like, I just need this book. Like, I get it, sir. You can't finish it. You're over, You're done. You can't do it. But maybe stop like... Looking like you're doing all this other stuff, but additionally, we don't need any more Game of Thrones. Like, the last season of Game of Thrones is where it needs to die. It's They're kicking a dead horse, much like The Walking Dead keeps kicking a dead horse with all these extra Walking Dead shows that freaking nobody is watching anymore. Like, people will watch these prequels, whatever, and then they'll just complain about them on the internet like they did season eight. Like, that's really all that's going to happen. Thumbs down for everything. <laughs> So um, there's going to be a new streaming service. It's called uh, Quibi, I think. Uh, it's going to launch in April. One of the things that, uh, one of the shows that's going to be on this streaming service is called Murder House Flip. And it's going to feature forensic specialists, specialists, spiritual healers, and high-end renovation experts who will uncover the crimes, secrets, secrets, uncover the crimes, secrets, and history of these homes. Uh, the goal is to make the house feel brighter and fresher and to bring, quote, healing and solace to families living in the aftermath of tragic events. Uh, this is going to be in short form content. So with this streaming service, like the shows on here are only supposed to be like 10 minutes or less. I'm going to give this a thumbs up. I'm not really the home makeover type person, you know, like I'll like if my roommate's watching it, I'll I'll watch it kind of you know and just kind of zone out but this seems interesting it's an interesting concept i also like the short form aspect of it um but yeah i don't know this looks looks cool lydia this does sound cool i like the idea of this but my thought when you said like oh we're gonna do this and bring peace to spirits no you're gonna piss spirits off okay (laughs) (laughs) but i mean you know whatever makes good television so thumbs up (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of interested until you said it was going to be like 10 minutes like that. I'm going to need more time. Like, (laughs) I also had this idea like 10 years ago, and I like made a joke about it watching HGTV one night. And now I'm really bummed that somebody else took my idea, but it's cool. Um, (laughs) But this is this is my jam. I love a good murder house. So but I agree with Lydia, like, you're gonna go in there and be like, Oh, we're just gonna remodel this house and knock all these walls down. I hope they have a young priest and an old priest. Like, I'm nervous for these people. This is how you get possessed by a demon. Yeah. <laughs> Which would actually make for a great movie. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Matt. Um, I'm going thumb sideways because another streaming service. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Yeah, enough is enough. Thumbs up for the idea. Thumbs down for another streaming service. I will say, though, the difference between I feel like this and like others, I hope this is like a free streaming service because I'm not paying for something that for shows that are 10 minutes. I, no, I guess yeah, that's no. true. I'm, I'm thinking subscription service. So um, yeah. that's why I was going thumbs down on that idea. If it's a free service, then I'm OK with it. But yeah. Yeah. Tabitha, let's go to the far side. 
Um, so Gary Larson's iconic smart-ass cartoon retired after 15 years in 1995, and the website has been dormant since 2000 until this week. Um, the website now shows a man with a blowtorch thawing out several characters, like the cows, that were commonly used in Larson's comics. And the following quote is written underneath it. Uncommon, unreal, and soon to be unfrozen. A new online era of the far side is coming. No other details have been released. We don't know anything. I thought Gary Larson was dead, but he's not. So that that was good for me. That was good news to find. He was he was one of the characters being unthought. <laughs> Evidently, because I thought he was dead. Um, I love the Far Side. Like I had a planner in college that was the Far Side. Like I was very into it. Like it's that quippy, smart, sarcastic humor that is my actual jam. And if we're gonna get more, we're even gonna get a website with like previously unreleased stuff which is a lot of a lot of people are predicting i'm giving this a huge thumbs up matt uh i also absolutely loved farside i had uh, at least two years worth of your day by day like paper tear them off farside calendars absolutely loved them uh i honestly don't even care if this is just going back and starting from the beginning and re-releasing a new like an old one every day mm-hmm. um just to have Farside back again, new, old, whatever, huge thumbs up. Yeah, um, I, I really have nothing else to add to that, but definite thumbs up. Uh, I can't wait to see what it's going to be. Lydia. Well, you all said thumbs up. Uh, last thing for gut reaction is actually something that we got to try before <laughs> the show started. Uh, Lydia, what did we eat? <laughs> um, well, I went to Pizza Hut and I got Cheez-Its. Because, you know, that's not a, com- a typical sentence that you would hear. Was it like the family size bag or? <laughs> I mean, there's only four of them in there, so I don't think so. <laughs> it's a small family. <laughs> Very small family. Um, no, but Pizza Hut released these Cheez-It stuffed bread things. I don't even know what they actually called them. Do you? No, I have no idea. But yeah, they're eh, trying to think of a good size. They're like a post-it. Yeah, about yeah. a post-it note yeah. size. They're shaped like Cheez-Its. They're filled with cheese because, you know, you need to add more cheese to Cheez-Its. It was weird. I'm not sure I liked it. I mean, it, it was okay, but they definitely smelled like Cheez-Its. Like, I put them in my car and I'm like, oh my god, it just smells like hot Cheez-It in here. <laughs> <laughs> but they have, like, this really weird texture to them. Mm. Like, between the outside of it being not solid like an actual cheese it and then the inside just being almost mush cheese like flavor wasn't bad but texture leaves something to be desired so maybe just stick to pizza pizza hut thumb sideways tabitha yeah i'm going thumb sideways this was a weird texture experience for me because you you smell the cheese it you taste the cheese it but then there's no crunch and it's almost like there's just like something wrong inside your cheese it like, like you bought a box of bad Cheez-Its, but then there's just... You left the box open too long and they're stale, so right. they're not crispy anymore. But then it was like summer and moisture got in there and you oh. just... You're working with a lot of different textures. And I'm, not, I'm not super into it. So I agree with Lydia. Stick with Pizza Hut. Pizza Hut. Matt. Um, I'm going thumb sideways. I'm not a huge Cheez-It fan, but I love stuffed crust or mozzarella sticks or anything like that. So that's... It was a cheese it flavored mozzarella stick, essentially, for me. Um, so I'll just go thumbs sideways because, again, not a huge cheese it fan. I don't dislike Cheez-Its. I just never eat them. So um, <laughs> I didn't get the texture 
issue that that you guys did uh i really enjoyed this i don't think that i it's something that i would order like all the time Mm -hmm. because like when i go to pizza hut like if i get like an appetizer it's their breadsticks i don't know what it is with their breadsticks but they are flipping amazing but uh hashtag hashtag not sponsored um (laughs) especially being like seven bucks for those four things like yeah yeah but um but yeah i would definitely try those again so i will say that with the marinara sauce it literally just tasted like a cheese stick all right, so we've got a couple of stories. Well, we've got time for a couple more stories. We have way more than a couple more stories left. Uh, the f- one that I definitely want to talk about, though, is um, Movie Pass and how they are finally dead. Like, officially, officially, officially? Yeah, the wicked old witch at last is dead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have finally shut down for good as of September 14th. They have officially no future plans to be revived. And I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the article here and quote um, Helios and Matheson, which is the firm that quote unquote owns MoviePass. Um, Efforts to recapitalize MoviePass have not been successful to date. The company is unable to predict if or when the MoviePass service will continue. Okay, so have not been successful. Yeah, check. Yeah, you didn't do anything you were supposed to. You failed miserably and you went bankrupt. And then second quote <laughs> is that. They noted that it is continuing to its continuing its efforts to seek financing to fund its operations. There can be no assurance that any such financing will be obtained or available. So this is basically like CEO business speak for we screwed up. We got to go. We're taking a bow, trying to do it gracefully just in case. But goodbye. And now they're going to fade into oblivion and come back with a new name in like three years. That's what's going to happen. That's yeah. Tabitha's prediction for what happens to Movie Pass. Do you think it really takes three years? I think it'll take about three years. Yeah. I don't think they'll get financing. People won't forget about it until mm-hmm. it'll take people a while to, you know, forget that Movie Pass happened. They'll come back and they'll be like, I got this great idea. And people will be like, that kind of sounds like Movie Pass, but they'll have something different. They'll get new backers, <laughs> new dumber backers, of course, richer, <laughs> dumber backers. And they'll be like, yeah. And the Movie Pass will come out for five seconds and then it'll fail miserably again. <laughs> I don't know that it's going to take people three years to forget about it. I mean, think about how much, like, in the last few years, uh, think about how much weird stuff happens that, like, that people, like, immediately they'll attach to that and then completely forget about the other thing. Yeah. You know, like... I think we're in a society where I bet I bet people forget about it within a year. Now, it might still take, like, that long to produce, you know, like, new backers or whatever like that. but, But, yeah, I bet... I bet if somebody were to try to do this this time next year, people would be like, oh, yeah, that kind of reminds me of that other thing. I mean, how fast did people move on from the storming Area 51? Oh, I forgot they were doing that. See? Yeah. That's exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. So there you go. Which, um, this was going to be a story. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to go about it in, in depth, but... Um, since you brought up Storming Area 51. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> there is at a Ballpark Village in St. Louis, they're doing a Storm Area 314 Halloween party. <laughs> and you know, I a- would almost go if it wasn't Ballpark Village and you could actually drive down there and they directed traffic correctly and there were real humans and not just Cardinals fans. Sorry, I'm better the game's on. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. I just want to know if they're serving pie. I don't know. They said their food is available. Oh, (laughs) food is available for purchase. But um, if you get a VIP (laughs) ticket, you do get uh, all inclusive like draft beer, wine, Hmm. spirits, (laughs) because it's Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) That one counts. (laughs) 
right. So we've got time for one more story. Um, do we want to talk about uh, Rick and Morty, an Amish buggy that's playing music, or Milo Yiannopoulos trying to become a furry? I vote for not the furry story. <laughs> right? That's just disturbing on all kinds of levels. I gotta go to bed in a couple hours. I don't want to have nightmares. <laughs> give me the Amish I, people, man. Okay. <laughs> that won't give me nightmares, I don't think. <laughs> it might. Maybe. Oh, boy. I guess that's on me then, huh? It is. It is. Okay. I'm staring at it. I know. <laughs> don't stare at me, guys. I'm awkward. Okay, so... <laughs> Deputies in Ohio pulled over a couple of Amish guys in their horse-drawn buggy, which had this stereo system blaring alcohol, and they were drinking beer. And they got pulled over at one in the morning. The men inside jumped out and ran off into the trees, leaving the horse and the buggy to continue driving down the road, (laughs) blaring the music. Deputies found a 12-pack of Michelob Ultra on top of the buggy. <laughs> not, not, in the not in the buggy. On top of the buggy. With several open bottles. And they said the um, buggy was equipped with a stereo sound system. So, like, how high-tech is this buggy? That confuses me when it comes to Amish. I know, right? I mean, they're not Mennonites, or they wouldn't have a buggy. Mennonites typically don't have buggies. They can drive cars. Right. 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 But right. Amish don't. Right, that's the. So, I mean, I don't are think they that... on Rumspringa? Like, what's happening? I don't know. Oh. Uh, the buggy was towed, and they. <laughs> it's a horse-powered stereo system. I. Maybe it's like hooked up to the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they uh, towed the buggy, and they found the deputies found someone to care for the horse until the owners came forward. <laughs> I just have a lot of questions. <laughs> Do you think maybe it might have been a horse jacking? Like I'm not trying to be like gross. I know, I know, but like, so like, no, my face was just about like how that would work. So like, some idiot teenagers steal a horse and buggy with their Michelob Ultra because you know they're classy, and they and they're also watching their figures, and they (laughs) have just a random stereo system. But like, look at this though; it's like built into the buggy. Oh, okay. Oh, that's like a kicker box. Yeah, it's... Okay, so I misunderstood you, so okay. Or is it someone who just, like, bought a horse... Like, some English people who bought, like, a horse and horse and buggy and thought it would be funny and did this? Like, or was it actually, like, someone that belongs to the Amish community? I mean, the Amish people are notorious for, like, not being Amish and just being <laughs> Amish for tax breaks. <laughs> so, I mean... I have so many questions. It's like, if they didn't, like, run away, would they have gotten, like, arrested for DUI? DUI? I don't know. Yeah, you can be arrested for a DUI in a buggy. Yeah. I mean, if Do you, you know, be... like, from firsthand experience? No, or... I've never been arrested for a DUI in a buggy or a moving vehicle of any kind. But, um... <laughs> I assume if you can get a DUI for driving your lawnmower. Yeah, this is It's true. any moving vehicle. I mean, but the horse isn't drunk. <laughs> right, but you're, <laughs> you're, driving, you're driving it. The horse is just the power behind it. Horse power. Like, yeah, exactly. What Lydia said. <laughs> you're the you're driving. You're steering. Because the horse doesn't. I mean, some horses know where to go, but like they can't like be like, oh, I'm gonna go to Highway Three and take a left. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that they're just like, oh crap, the cops run, and they just leave the horse just trotting along, like. Horse. Okay. 
horse abandonment. Yeah. Did it say animal cruelty. Yes. <laughs> Did it say what they were listening to? I don't think was it, so. Was it Weird Al's Amish Paradise? It was probably Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> Either one of those <laughs> would be amazing, but I don't know. I don't think or it, it was so. like hymns. <laughs> <laughs> hymns with the bass turned way up. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ohio, y'all. <laughs> right. <laughs> Middle America, guys. <laughs> Nothing quite like it. Gotta love it. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know about my Barnes and Noble experience yesterday. That wouldn't have happened anywhere besides Middle America. Part of me wishes I was there for that. I wish someone had been there with me. Like I'm literally messaging everyone I know because I feel <laughs> and like taking photos because I feel like no one's gonna believe me if I don't document <laughs> it. <laughs> Turns out she was just drunk the entire time. <laughs> just hardcore smashed in Barnes and Noble. <laughs> Did you I think at least I've actually done that? Before. Did, did you at least park the horse and buggy before you got drunk? Shh, let it go, Lydia. <laughs> so before Tabitha incriminates herself, uh, that's all the time we have for this episode of the Geek Awakens. We'll be back next week, but in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter, where we'll be posting news throughout the week. While you're there, give us some feedback and tell us what cool stuff we're missing out on. From all of us, Geek Awakens, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll be back next week. Everybody, say bye. Bye. bye.